0: Good morning. Good morning. All right. As some of us like to say, way to use your soccer voice. So uh, good morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. It's good to be here. Uh, We're a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship. And we're being a community that serves the greater community. Amen. 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 And Christine's back. Is that a pun? Christine's back? You know, the neck, the back. I don't know. Christine's back. Hey, it's great to see you at church, right? And no more, you don't have all that headgear, the harness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very awkward, but uh, it's great to have you recovering. More importantly, I mean, you could be here in a lot of conditions. The recovery part's great. So, very cool. Um, maybe I won't mention that. We'll save. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna save that one for a little bit. Hey, uh, we're gonna. We're gonna have um, a great opportunity to start early on our Mexico thing this year. You know, for some of us, we haven't really talked about this, but we were doing our dinner and everything in the spring. We're doing it in the fall to get a jump start and get organized and all that kind of thing. Um, so I appreciate all of those that are kind of behind the scenes doing stuff to get us organized and the whole thing. Um, but it should be great, all right? And you praying for it is the biggest thing. I uh, had a guy I used to do some camps and stuff with. He would say, you can do nothing but pray until you have prayed. <laughs> it was redundant on purpose. It was goofy like me, but um, I definitely want us to be praying for Mexico and all the stuff and d- the great experiences not only that some of our people have as individuals, but what we do to bless families down there and then the ministry, the Hollenbecks, and, and the whole thing. So, uh, amen on that. Hey, let's uh, let's jump in. Because uh, we're 24 verses in Romans, and well, quite frankly, I'm just a little excited. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll then we'll we'll go. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for things like ministry that we get to do, whether it be our children all the way up to big things that we do. Pray that uh, you would be. Guiding, protecting, overseeing, blessing—that you'd be in all of it. That, as our passage is going to say this morning, our, all of our support comes from you. We do not support you; you support us. And so, uh, we thank you for all that you do and will do, and may we recognize it and enjoy the mystery. Bless our time this morning Lord this passage what we're about to talk about uh, I pray that it would maybe spur some people on to new things new thinking but may it mostly glorify you your son and then Lord draw us into that appreciation as well we pray this uh, in your son Jesus name amen amen uh, he's gonna ask a question there He's going to ask a question because he's making an argument. He's been making an argument that more than the Jewish nation gets in. He's been making an argument that your lineage does not matter. Now, this is groundbreaking for them. It was earth shattering. We're a little more inclusive in this day and age. So it's less difficult for us to accept. But back then, the idea of, we, we want to change the whole paradigm. That um, he was, they were afraid. He was almost saying, "What? They're they're not the chosen people of God. That they're, they're not the people of the promise." I mean, God made covenant with them. He's saying, "Well, no, 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 hold on. Don't don't swing way over to the. Don't throw everything out with the bathwater. Uh, yes, they're the chosen nation. Yes, they had a covenant with God. Yes, the uh, Jewish should be honored for what it is." but recognize that the reason it was good was not because they had a lineage all the way back down to Adam and Eve, uh, through Abraham, through all the, no. It's all based on a promise I made them, my covenant. So this is a, you know, it's not a covenant of blood per se back then, it was a covenant that God was making rather than people earning. And so he's been making this argument and now he's going to ask the question, does that mean the Jews are out? Not, not going to be the answer, right? They're, they're going to be fine. In fact, there's a great, he's going to make some great um, logical trains of thought for us to follow in this. Um, has God rejected his people then? Right? Are, wait, are they not his people still? <clears throat> Do we get an answer here? By no means. This is... Paul's way of yelling an answer, bolding it, underlining it, italicizing it, he he wants to make sure we understand, no, this is not what I'm saying. I'm saying something other, something different. He says, for example, I myself, I'm an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Those are pretty good stats, by the way. We're getting up into like Michael Jordan territory, if you want lineage thing. <clears throat> and God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew what why does this matter Scott it's Sunday it's 2022 we got all kinds of other issues and things to do there's a game starting soon why, why do we need to argue about whether the Jews were chosen or promised or lineage or bloodline or why why are we why does any of that matter Welcome to the interactive portion of the morning. What do we learn about God from this? He keeps his promises. He's inclusive. And is he trying to reject? Is he a rejecter? He just walks around. "Eh, eh, You're out. I, I saw that thought you just had. Cut off. No, what, what we love about this and the reason that we study it to this day is because we've, we see the nature of God in His messages. Well, I'm not Jewish and I didn't live back then and I kind of know that He's made me a promise and I, I do feel like I have salvation. Great, let's find out what God's like for your ongoing experience. We can't change any of this. But we get to decide today and tomorrow who we're gonna be, how we're gonna act, what we're gonna put our time towards, right? Is there hope for this world? You know, people answer that question very differently. If you have this God, there's hope for the world. Newsflash. You have this God <laughs> but we got to read about him and learn about him okay um, so uh, God has not rejected the people whom he foreknew. He foreknew them. Oh, that sounds I don't know I don't know he foreknew me. Is that all one word, one word foreknew me um, what is this telling us? He foreknew us? Foreknew knew them. Has he, has he got superpowers? Right? I, I prefer my Jesus with a cape on. Right? He's a superhero. That's the way I like to think about him. That he knew ahead of time. How about even better than this? You know, because it could have been, it's like, wait, I can see into the future. Oh, that's going to happen? And that oh no, how th- how are we going to end up there? That wasn't the original idea. Or, he plans ahead. Planned it ahead. Not, more than I can see what's going to happen, I'm going to affect what happens. That's a pretty good cape. I like that one. Um, Uh, Do you not know what the Scripture says? Okay, there's two more words to finish the clause of this passage, but I want to stop here and do a commercial. Okay, because we're not going to do the of Elijah. I want us to repeat this. Okay, ready? We're going to all say it together out loud. This means you're using your voice. It is another interactive portion of the morning. We're going to all read it together. Ready? One, two, three. Do you not know stop oh brilliant not a single of in there why am i emphasizing this what does paul think the key to unlocking the mystery is no in scripture there's other places where people come up to jesus and they're like hey and he's like how do the scriptures read to you What's the implication? What's one of the best activities for us? Hey, how great would that be? I like that it says, do you not know, rather than have you read. There's a lot of stuff I've read that I don't really know what was that about? Got to go back, read it some more, cross-reference, go ask Gene McGrogan, <laughs> and it gets explained. It's like, oh, now it makes sense. Now I know what the Scripture says. Maybe Anybody read a passage in Scripture where you thought you knew what it meant, and then later, it came around and smacked you in the back of the head and said, ah, uh, excuse me, Eh, it was a little different than what you thought, right? I'm running around saying things, and, and God's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like in Diego Montoya in, in The Princess Bride. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means, right? We're trying to say stuff, and, and we're wrong, often, Back to knowing the God of this. Is He wrong often? Once in a while. Seldom? Ever. I, that is something that I think we have to sit on, load in the truck, put in our bags, tattoo on our forehead. It just The idea that God is never wrong... has to holistically change how we think. Because I come up with too many ideas and I forget that God's never wrong and He pre-plans and then affects it. Man, I am I a bit player in this play? Am, am I photobombing his poster? I'm just in the background right? We like to think if we had a poster of ourselves, you know, because athletes, they like to have a poster like, yeah, I got a poster. i one game I was dunking, right? And then all the athletes are all, they're all paranoid that they're going to be postered in someone else's poster. Like when they're dunking, you're the one being dunked on or something, right? When they're making the shot, you're the one defending and you d- they're, They're memorializing the idea that you lost. This analogy works if you twist it. We're just in the background of God's poster. We lost. Praise the Lord. Why do I want to lose? Why do I want to revel in my diminished capacity? Why? Because I'm starting to recognize reality of who's actually in control, whose plan is happening, and who can straighten us out when we think that the Jews lost their salvation. Says no, that's not how it works. And now my ideas no longer need be top shelf. And I can wait and find out if I'm wrong. And then say, glad that's over. Wasn't in charge anyways. But I made an effort. And I'm starting to figure it out. And I'm starting to know the scriptures. More importantly, knowing the scriptures helps you know who we're at church. And I ask the question. The answer is, it helps us know God. And knowing God helps us know ourselves. It's all circular. We're spider webbing too much. Let's get back to the passage. All right. Um, do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? I finally, got to those two words. How he appeals to God against Israel. Do you remember this passage? Now he's not, because you know, I was emphasizing we got to know scripture. Now he's saying, Do you remember this story? This historical thing. Now, I want to preface this. Um, when's the last time you heard a kid whine? You ever, lately? I was in the store the other day, and I almost congratulated the kid and complimented him. I wanted to walk on, and I'm I'm sorry, I know you don't know me, but I have to tell you, you're like one of the most champion whiners I've ever met. I mean, you're loud, you shrill, you change pitch, tone, volume, the inflection, just glory. You have the whole store, the tension. Great job. Okay. Once you think of that, as we read the next thing, ready? This is what I, I, e, Elijah says: "Lord, they have killed your prophets; they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left." Everybody say, "Wah!" Right? Um, and they seek my life. Okay. This is whining. Um, this this is tragic, sad. Actually, all sarcasm aside. This is the guy who just recently has defeated 400 illegitimate prophets of Baal. Well, God did it. He was there. 400 on one. As my dad used to say, yeah, it was a fair fight. Right? And God delivers him, bless him, proves. What? How cool Elijah is or his prayer worked? He got the words right or something? No, what did God prove in that moment? <laughs> I am the God, period. <laughs> right? A couple things happen and all of a sudden he's whining. Nobody listens. You killed everybody. They killed everybody else. Now they're going to kill me. What does God re- reply to him? Stop whining. I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. What are you whining about? I'll be fine. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant. What is God saying in his reply to Elijah? He looked, "I, I take care of what I need to take care of so that I get what I want to get based on the plan that I planned and the future that I futured. You whine all you want. It won't change a thing. Other than you'll be unhappy. Or you could choose to be happy because I got a plan. I got 7,000 guys. It's going to be awesome. Come watch. And then here in verse 5, it says, so too at this present time, At this present time? Does does God continue to work? He did it in the last story. He says, Now I'm doing it in this story. What's the next question? It's a time progression. Way back, then in this story, and then what's the next? The future? What's your favorite future? Be selfish, your own. Is he still got a remnant within you? That's where this is headed. There's a, ro- a remnant chosen. Who chooses? And how does he choose? By grace. So God calls grace in, and then I'm like, sweet, because she's married to my son, and so I got a better shot. And then God and grace, they figure out who's, who gets in. Who's grace? Well, you just said it's your daughter-in-law. No, no, no. <laughs> Who' apostrophe s? Oh, I just spelled that forwards for me, but backwards for you. All right, people at home, watch through the mirror, and then it'll be correct direction. Who' apostrophe s? Whose possessive grace is it? Right, church, we ask the question. The answer is God. All right, so He chooses, and He's gracious. What action do we take in that little sentence there? Chosen by grace? <laughs> We're just receiving action, right? We're the direct object of the sentence. Which I'm trying to get over because I, I like to be the subject of the sentence. I don't know. if Have you had that experience? Yes, God, most of the time I'm around you, I know you want to be the subject of the sentence. No, I'm talking about you. Do you like being the subject of the sentence? We have to get over that a little bit, especially in our relationship with God. That's how the Jewish nation got it wrong. They got confused. They thought because great, 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 um, and sort of ton of greats, granddaddy, his bloodline connected to them, Amen. I got the correct last name. Like, no. You did nothing. Grandpa did nothing. And anybody before him did nothing. I showed up on the scene and said, get up. Huh? Yeah, go. Where? I'll show you. When? When you get up. I like when the instructions are simple. Uh, get out your outlines. It says Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 24. And then what's it say right below it? by grace It's the theme kind of what's going on here uh, verse six but if it is by grace wait if that's true paul is it no longer on the basis of works otherwise grace would no longer be grace pretty self-explanatory what then all right let's go with the premise israel failed to obtain what it was seeking what it was working towards like doing works towards they didn't get it. The elect obtained it. What's the title we just got, uh, we're just given for the people who have attained salvation? They're called the elect. In theology, we call this election. I like to make the words bigger in theology just to confuse people on purpose. It's how we retain power as leaders. <laughs> um, what's the implication of that title? When there's an election, what happens? What's an election do? It chooses. or decides something. How? How do they choose or decide? In an election, people vote. The elect here, who voted? Okay, there we go. We're back to the same idea. They obtained it, but they they got voted in They actually had no power to vote for themselves. But God says, yeah, I like you. I want you. Do you hear that voice personally for you in your life from God? That he likes you, wants you? you probably heard it a bunch of times that God loves you. It starts to lose its meaning when we hear it too often. I like when a pastor told me, yeah, you know, he likes you too. Like, wait a minute, no, I I know he loves me, I'm not sure he likes me, (laughs) right? Um, Yeah, get over yourself on that one. He likes you, he wants you, right? Um, The elect obtained it, but the rest, what about the ones that weren't voted for, were hardened? Ooh, is that a decision they make? If you are hardened... Like when steel is hardened, does the steel harden itself? No, it's hardened by starts with F, rhymes with wire. Fire. And a severe pounding from another really heavy piece of metal. Right? You get it gets hardened from the outside. Are you telling me that God votes for those that are elect and obtain salvation and he also hardens some people? <gasps> wait, please tell me there's no examples of that in Scripture. Okay, well, we can just throw out the book of Exodus, or we can see how God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's the actual phrase that's used several times so that he wouldn't let the people go, right? Let my people go, right? Why? Why would God harden? That sounds dark. I skip dark shows, like, I don't, the horror flicks and the stuff, the guy running around with the knife and jumping out behind from stuff, and everybody dies, except at the end, the one little lady, she somehow figures out how to kill the monster that the big, huge guys through the whole movie couldn't do. I avoid that, I don't like dark. I wanna walk out of my movies happy. Why would he harden? Why'd he harden Pharaoh? Because in the presence of opposition or no hope, who gets to come in and vote for you, elect you, save the day, and show off his cape? God does. He wanted to make sure that the Israelites and the Egyptians all understood that God and Pharaoh were having a contest. The score was 100 to 0. More like 10 to 0. God wins, right? Um, Will God do anything to get your attention? Give Him your attention early. Avoid some of His more extreme attention-getting techniques. Uh, They hurt. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor you know any words that sound like stupor? God gave them that. Eyes that would not see, ears that would not hear, down to this very day. Oh no, I don't like the follow-up question. <laughs> Did it end that day? Or does, it, does he continue to do those kind of things? Right? Ask Job. And David says... Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs until they're uncomfortable for a little while. No, forever. Whoa. People that choose other than God or turn from Him or... Are disgusted by him, or frustrated with him, or want to fight with him, uh, question him out of um, defiance rather than question him out of inquiry. Well, he'll honor your decision. It's rough. So I ask: Did they stumble in order that they might fall? Did God make them stumble so that they would fall? Now, the second part of that clause really qualifies the whole sentence we've already determined does god cause people to stumble make it so they can't see with their eyes and ear with their ears i mean we've got a bunch of verses we talked about pharaoh there's job there's some other really difficult passages too um so does god cause difficult things regularly trying to get our attention prove things do whatever it takes to get that is the purpose so that people might fall, like complete stumble. Yeah, but at least I didn't go down. Bam! I would act it out, but I would probably hurt myself. Okay, and it would go contrary to the point of the sentence. God caused us to stumble? Yeah, why? So you'll see, oh, there's something down there. Maybe I should have been paying attention. Yeah, Scott, I wanted you to see that. Now, He doesn't need you to fall all the way to the ground and crush yourself just so you can see the thing. He just wants to do enough to get your attention. We don't have a God that wants people to fall. He wants them to be redeemed, fixed, healed, healthy, dare I say prosperous. No, because some people go prosperity gospel on that. Okay, well then let's use a better word. Starts with B. B. Rhymes with rest. Blessed. He wants us to be blessed. So did they do that? And, and remember what I said when he, yell, when he wants to he really yell and answer at you? He says, by no means. Is he saying that God doesn't make people stumble? No. He's making the argument that God makes people stumble. But he also protects them in their stumbling from the big fall. Right? By no means rather through their trespass salvation has come to the Gentiles. You know, when the when the Jews fail to recognize what God's doing, everybody around starts questioning, "Wait, I thought they were the chosen people? Chosen by grace? Everybody has to start thinking about it again, what does that actually mean?" And so it gets the Gentiles' attention. So as to make Israel jealous, we read that last uh, chapter, chapter 10, I will make you jealous of a, no, a nation, but a, a no nation. They're not even a nation, and I'm going to make you jealous of them, right? Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Without getting too heavy into this, what he's saying is the Jews have still have an opportunity at full inclusion, some of you who like the dark shows that I avoid, you're like, darn, I wanted to see them go down. Some of us who like the happy Disney endings, like, oh, there's still a chance. Somebody's going to come in and save the day. But wait, now we got more. we got the Gentiles too. By the way, if you have the Jews and the Gentiles, who do you have? You have everyone, right? You've covered both categories in existence. Now, I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save them. what I leave out? That's rough. You, you heard uh, there's kind of a little bit of a movement, some, some popular guys. Would say theologians, but the next thing I'm going to say would kind of disqualify the theologian, but they're they're popular church guys and maybe write books or have had big churches in the past say that, oh no, everybody gets in. They're starting to, there's a few people that are starting to say uh, they're not really sure that damnation is real, that hell is real. It's figurative and it was always meant figurative. Bye, good luck. Here's Paul saying only some get full inclusion, right? 15, four, if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If their stumbling brought reconciliation to the Gentiles, it got their attention and draw them in and now we all, ha- we all have a chance and some of us will experience it. You see, and how much more when we draw some of those Jews back into salvation? Now it's just a bigger party, more excitement. We're bringing life from death. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, right? When you bring your offering to um, the temple, you bring the first of what you have—the first-born male goat or whatever, the first of the turtle doves, or if it's a grain offering, you know, the first little bit of that. Here, if you made dough and brought the first fruits of your dough, that would be considered holy, but so is the whole lump then. Is it different? Is the first part of the dough different than the. No, it's all, you mix it all together, it's all the same. Just the first part's the part you offer to God, but the rest of it's still holy. Still dough. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And now we're gonna go into a big tree analogy. I'm gonna fly through this one, okay? But if some of the branches were broken off, right? You had a you have a holy tree because the roots are holy and so the, the whole thing. Now you got some branches that are holy and if some of those were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, got a room full of wide, wild olive shoots. Okay? So I'm going to be referring to people that way for the next week or two just for fun. Hey, what do you do? I'm a wild olive shoot. Right? They'll just walk the other direction. Um, If you were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, like where the branch fell off, you got grafted in. Now you're in this holy experience. Verse eighteen: Do not think, or excuse me, do not be arrogant toward the branches, the ones that got broken off. If you are Remember, it's not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Uh, The role of root in this analogy will be played by God, okay? God's the one that makes you holy, right? Then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. And that's true. They were broken off because of their what? That's how we get broken off when we lack faith. But you stand fast through, through faith. Do you believe? Do you act like it? Do you think like it? Do you treat people the same? So, do not become proud. Um. So, I have a guy I really, really like, and he's trying to help me eradicate the word "not" from my life. If I'm do not become proud, can I, can we? He would say, greenwash it, and say it in positive terms. If you do not want to be. Proud will then tell me what your replacement behavior is. What do you want to be? Three of you, let's say it again. Starts with H, rhymes with bumble. One, two, three. We want to be humble. So be humble and fear. Wait, what are we to be afraid of? I thought we had this God of. Uh, inclusion, Even full inclusion. After you've been broken off and dropped and you can make bad decisions, but you can still come back and He's not trying to make us fall, just stumble. That's all good news. What's there to fear? Remember that some word I emphasized earlier? And the unbelief statement there? Do you have a choice? Wait, I thought everything was elect, planned ahead, and he's going to affect the ending. I thought he he's in control of all things. He's sovereign. Yes. And he's in control of letting you have free will too at the same time. How's that work? No idea. Love the mystery. Uh, so do not become proud, but verse 21 for if God did not spare the natural branches neither will he spare you blah, blah, blah. note verse 22 then note then the kindness and the severity of God is is he implying that God has both he can be safe and dangerous huh Severity toward those who have fallen. I thought he said he didn't make people stumble so that they fall. Where'd the fallen people come from? They fell on their own. They turned from God. They said, I don't want to go to church on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. It's too early. I'll watch it later during the week. Whatever. I went twice this month. I gave last month. There's a couple families that'll do that serving stuff. I don't need to volunteer. No. We start choosing a way, it gets easier and easier. It becomes addictive. Right? Do any of you have addictive behaviors? Don't answer that question. It's our nature to be addictive, by the way. That's a discussion for another time. Um, God's severity toward those who have fallen, but, or and also with more emphasis, God's kindness to you, provided you continue in His kindness. Wait, provided. I got one clause, and another clause, and they're combined by a provided. That sounds very similar to this concept in my English classes, a conditional phrase. If you come to the game, then you get a snow cone. Shout out to one of my favorite comedians, Brian Regan. Okay, we won't do the whole bit there, but that's conditional, right? You can't get a snow cone if you don't come to the game. The implication that you play the game and at the end of the game you get a, ro- a snow cone you should listen to his first comedy act ever it's from 20 years ago it's hilarious about little kids playing baseball um but if this is a conditional phrase does that mean god's love is conditional cuz i heard he unconditionally loves us Now, there's times when I would say, yes, he does conditionally love you, but then you have to explain it a lot. So let's say it this way He unconditionally loves you and conditionally consequences you. He conditionally experiences you, or you will experience him by your condition. How do you choose? Right? provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you two will be cut off. All right, what's for lunch? Wait, I can lose that quick? No. Losing takes a long time. Deciding comes quick. Otherwise, you two will be cut off. Verse 23, And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, oh my goodness, triple negative, that a triple negative i mean congratulations for hitting a triple but that's we're not playing baseball how do we say that positively if you do not con- if you continue in belief you'll be grafted in if you change from doubt self-serving do your own thing tossing god's book out and his people with him In the conscience of the Holy Spirit, then you're lost. But if you turn on all that stuff, you could be grafted back in. For God has the power to graft them in. This is a great word. I want you to just feel the sound of this word again. Does God repetitively draw you back in? Is that the kind of God he is? Absolutely. Does anybody feel like we're still talking about the Jews? Or do you know that we're starting to talk about us? We're dealing with the same God. This is great news. Verse 24, close it out. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree. (laughs) I'm a wild olive branch. Shoot, sorry. We can't say shoot, Doug. It's politically incorrect. Um, A wild olive tree and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? It's still their tree. It can be your tree too gets a shot at being a branch on the tree. Everyone, may the Lord bless the reading of his word, amen? All right, let's, uh, let's pull a couple things from this, and I'm going to avoid the tree analogy in our villains today, and I'm going to avoid most of the Jewish versus Gentile stuff. I just want to talk about us because I have to have practical application or some ideological things to take from it to go out of here, or I feel like I wasted my time. All right, so let's do this. First of all, it's chosen by grace, and there's our verse, verse five. I think one of the things we have to uh, remember first off is that wild, gracious acceptance. What's what's wild, gracious acceptance? God does. It says graciously accept us, or brings us back in right chosen by what was the word there it is chosen by grace so that grace is what accepts us back in remember i made a big deal he voted for you and you were became elect and now he's planning for you and affecting the end and control of all things Isn't that wild wild gracious acceptance somebody and i don't know who it is but somebody just now said that's awesome was somewhere over here I I just did the whole room. It was somewhere over here. I can't hear you, people online. Love you, but I can't hear you. Um, This wild, gracious acceptance, it goes both ways. What if you tried to reciprocate? Um, What does that mean? Like, reciprocate? Am I recycling something? Am I twisting a lot, turning it a lot? Yeah, what if you turned it back and did it back towards him? What if you tried to wildly, graciously accept him at the level that he wildly, graciously accepts you? Because I just read 24 verses about how he uh, has Jews and he has Gentiles, and they all can make bad decisions, but he wants to save some of them, and so he's taking anybody who he can get, and he'll go to any length, even causing them to stumble. What if... Now, this is going to sound a little heretical. What if you decided that no matter how many times God made bad decisions that you didn't like, that's heresy, um, that you'd keep bringing him back in and you would chase after him as much as possible and you'd do whatever you could to get his attention? Like, there's so many heretical statements in there, as if he couldn't see something. I, mean, he, I just. It's, it's an analogy, right? Just go with it. What's the point? What if you made an effort back towards God as intense as you could, recognizing the intensity of God coming at you? I can only say I think it works from my own personal experience. And... I think God has a great sense of humor in my life. Most people call it jinxing. Like you say something and you claim it and then you just jinx yourself. I don't believe in that part of jinxing. I believe that I, if I brag on certain things, He could take them away. If I criticize certain things, He can make it happen to me. I think it's His great sense of humor in teaching me how to know the Scriptures and therefore know God. And stop promoting self. So I want to say this carefully, but in the times that I have tried very hard to follow God, God has graciously given me things above and beyond better than I could have imagined. What makes you weak? Like, what? Like, a good week for you includes what? I mean, at the beginning, you start with blah, blah, blah. Or at the end, you finish with ha, ha. Or three times a week, you get to what, I'll tell you this. Just for me, the I get to stand here twice a week on Sundays. And I'm pretty sure Wednesday morning's at 6, but nobody really knows what happens then with the men, right? Shameless commercial, men's ministry, 6 a.m., right here. Okay? That makes my week. I'd have been happy with one service a week. God says, "Eh, let's give you two. How'd that happen? He just grabbed me and, and plucked me off the playground and said, here. No, it took forever. How many choices? How many decisions? How many years? How many seminary classes? What are you willing to do effort-wise, time investment, financial, opportunity cost to pursue God and watch this in ways He's designed you to enjoy so that you will enjoy it. It'll be wild, gracious acceptance that goes both ways. You can look uh, more at beyond 5. You could look at 15 to look at that. Um, Secondly, Cultivating His grace. Wait, cultivating grace? Grace has to be cultivated? I thought it was just grace that He gives you. Why would I say cultivating grace? Well, partly because they did a tree analogy and trees grow over time, right? And To be grafted back in, it's not like the moment you stick it on a tree, all of a sudden it's stuck. Takes a while, you gotta tie it up and put supporting pieces of wood or something to hold it together. And then over time it gets to bear fruit how how much fruit does it bear the first time it starts to bear fruit once it's grafted in barely yeah 20 years later what's it doing it's dropping apples all over your yard so fast you can't get them out of there you're making apple pies and doing stuff and everything and you're throwing cans of d- apples away it's my last house grace has to be cultivated. You enjoying His grace and watching how He leads you and what He's blessed you with, learning to appreciate it, value it for what He intends rather than trying to use it for what you want. These are all learned behaviors. And it takes time. Cultivating His grace is contrary to what? Somebody said it. Starts with and Kind of rhymes with mature nature. It's contrary to nature. It says if you will stop in your unbelief, if you, if you do not remain in your unbelief, remember, double negative, and you accept contrary to nature. What's that mean? That means cultivating, cultivating the grace is going to be a fight. In this life, you will have trouble. Oh, this is where the stumbling comes in. I get it. But when we stumble, we stumble over stuff that is our former nature. How quickly we get uh, sensitive or frustrated or whatever. All those secondary emotions that come in after an event. You get to choose those, by the way. That's part of the cultivating. And this is the one where uh, you know, if a, if a branch doesn't graft, if it doesn't take, what happens? And the passage it says, it'll give you cut off. And the reality is, it'll fall off on its own. Right? Which one comes first? You're going to fall off on your own, or God's going to cut you off. <laughs> Let's not find out the answer to that question. No, how, how wildly can I graciously accept the cultivation? Of his grace. Whoa, you just combined two sets of full in. Lastly, um, uh, do the humble stumble? Said if you're not proud, and I said, wait, what's the opposite of that? And I drug you into the whole, you finally all had to say humble. Um, Are we going to stumble? Yes, apparently. Then if you're going to stumble, stumble well. Stumble humble. Pretty safe uh, extraction from the passage, do we think? Oh, thanks for the vote of confidence. My goodness. Do the humble stumble to a new nature. We're cultivating our relationship with the Lord to get to a new place. A better place, a healthier place, an enjoyable place. Um, But thinking that that it's going to be easy or that Scott just needs to bless it, that there'll be no bumps along the road and everyone will accept it. That's irrational. What's what's the um, research group? Is it Barna, right? Does the Church Sociological Research. They did a study and this would have been um early 2000s i remember cuz we were going over it at uh, fellowship bible church when i was pastoring there but they said in the in the biggest of churches with the biggest of decisions with the biggest support really big church really big decision and they got a ton of support from who the congregation right what was the percentage What's the best score? Come on, people, let's guess. 25% acceptance? Oh no, this was a good decision that people accepted, right? 50%? 100%? If you've ever known a human, you know that 100% never happens, right? 73, less than three-quarters of the people are going to agree with great decisions that were successful and pushed churches forward that they thought were going to go well and did. They were right. And the best score they could ever get was 27 out of 100 people said, eh, Now, there's bad news in that. No matter what decision you make, at least 27% of the people will disagree. Welcome to opposition. At Rock Bible Church, it's closer to 49%. We have the rule of 51, indoctrinated by Geno Cunningham. We just have to get to 51% belief that this is what God wants us to do and then we just got to try it and we'll see what happens. You've got to get to a place where you're willing to take the stumbles, the bumps, the hits, fight your own nature. You're fighting the nature of other people as well to do the things that God's called us to do because His plan works and for those who have faith in it and accept His grace and cultivate it to the best of their ability, it gets wild. I I keep, I've been studying this for decades. I can't find the passage where it says neat and easy. I just want neat and easy. No. It doesn't happen. Verse 11 talks about the stumbling, by the way. Um, forgot to drop that on the outline, so that's your first service Extra. Where does this hit you? What do you need to stumble through? Uh, What do you need to trust him for? How do you keep going? Because really this goes beyond salvation. Now it gets into the daily. How do we walk in it? Your mission, should you choose to accept it? Figure out your walk. Where can you get a little more wild in your acceptance? What have you been neglecting that you could be cultivating? This applies to nobody here, because you're at church. But there's a member of the extended Berglund family who is not attending church. And they have come up with excuses we'll see what they get uh, let's pray lord thanks for this morning thanks for the reminders of how this works help us uh with the new lesson plan how we're, we're gonna have to reform reshape some things within ourselves we pray you would guide that Help us with the things you've caused us to stumble over in order to get our attention and then draw us to the things you want. Things that probably are actually a blessing to us regardless of the investment or time that it's going to take. If there's any here this morning who's never started their relationship with the Lord they've never said, I want to start cultivating my relationship with you, I'll t- i start today. Graft me in. Or you can skip all the analogies and say, Lord, I accept you today. From here on out. And then come talk to us as a church. We want to help. Father, thank you for uh, the donations and things that come in and offering that uh, come in uh, electronically or through online stuff or in the deposit box in the back of the room, Lord. We, we. never want to take for granted the ways that you have blessed the church, and so we thank you for that as well. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.